0: So we're continuing our study of Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 3. And we're finishing chapter 30. And we are on text number... Thank you. 17. Now it's... As you may remember... Uh, Because there's a description here of the uh, um, hellish sufferings that one can um, undergo. And if you recall, we read ahead to the very end of the uh, chapter where um, Srila Prabhupada says that um, someone who makes an honest livelihood and is trying to advance in Krishna consciousness um, what's mentioned here is not, does not apply to them, right? So that's just uh, something that I, we, if you remember, we skipped ahead to that uh, in order to <laughs> clarify that point uh, ahead of time. Otherwise, we might have thought of all these descriptions of the uh, under Tramishra, the hellish plan is to be, you know, well, everyone kind of goes through that or something like that. Or everyone's a cheater. Um, because it talks a lot there about cheaters and things like that. So, um, in the translation, now again, this is uh, the Bhagavatam. Generally, teaches the or generally emphasizes the positive of Krishna consciousness, the the uh, the mercy of the Lord and 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 the path, the abideya, the path to get to Krishna. And um, and especially because we, you know, in the 10th canto, of course, but all the pastimes of the devotees like Prahlad Maharaj and Dhruva Maharaj, etc., they all have a kind of a happy ending, right? Um, but here, um, a little, so the, the emphasis, the, not the emphasis, the uh, em- impetus is generally that of getting Krishna's mercy, the positive. A little taste, uh, some taste of fear and what happens if we don't do things right is healthy. It can be healthy, even though it shouldn't be the ultimate impetus for a devotee. And so that's what we're getting a taste of here, here and in the next chapter. A taste of um, how bad things can get if we don't take shelter of Krishna. So in the... uh, this is talking about the, the, the challenges that one faces at the time of death. In the previous verse 16, it's, well, let's see. Um, text 16 says, In that disease condition, one's eyes bulge due to the pressure of air from within and his glands become congested with mucus. He has difficulty breathing and upon exhaling and inhaling, he produces a sound like guru guru a rattling within the throat. How many of you have been in the company of someone leaving this world? No one? Yeah, yeah, as they were leaving this body. Because living in Vrindavan, it was a, uh, when I was living there, it was a, um, not, an everyday, not an everyday occurrence, but certainly a couple of times a year occurrence, because people would go to a holy place to, to leave this world, and especially to Vrindavan. And even my mother passed away in Vrindavan. So, it was, a and it's, and of course, for a devotee, it's a, uh, it's a special event, <laughs> to say the least, because um, Krishna promises that whatever we remember at the time of death, that, that state we obtain, and so we're all there, usually surrounding the devotee, and encouraging them to think of Krishna, and chanting Krishna's holy names, and sometimes putting a govardhan shield on their head, or... Uh, Ganga Jal or Jumunajal, Jal water in their mouth, Tulsi, and it's a whole—you know—there's like a whole kit that one has. I remember when my my wife's mother was passing away in Ireland, and my wife flew from India from Vrindavan, and she brought like a kit—you know, Ganga Jal and Tulsi and you know uh, neck beads and and she had her governess She lived with her, um, so we have that kind of like back to Godhead. Kit and even in the uh, in the hospice in Vrindavan, there's one room, a very large, a, a, a much bigger than the residential rooms, that they call the back to Godhead room, <laughs> because that's uh, where people in their last stages, uh, they take them there, and then they, there's enough room for a whole kirtan or bhajan party to be there, and lead uh, the chanting of the Mahamantra like that so but it it doesn't mean that the the body is not you know going through the challenges that we're hearing here but the consciousness of the devotee is um, is, what I've seen has been quite miraculous, quite miraculous Um, of course Srila Prabhupada was the epitome right? because he was in incredible pain he had lost so much weight It, it, it was just the bones pressing against the skin and the doctors were saying that any, nor, any average person wouldn't be able to tolerate this pain and he was translating the Bhagavatam and you know and his last words were Hare Krishna you know um, so, so this is but the fact is uh, what's that verse yeah, Jiva you know that verse right for one who is born death is certain juruvam janvam itrasya how does it begin that's the second line it's in the second or third chapter of the Gita, but I know, I remember the second line, Dhruvam, Janma, Mithasya, for one who is born, Janma, mitasya, death is certain. So, you know, uh, you know. so even when we have a cute little baby in our hands and they're very cute, um, eventually they have to leave this body. And so, although it may not be the most pleasant topic, it's the Bhagavatam is not just meant for pleasantries, it's meant for reality what is it the what is that in the very beginning of the bhagavatam it separates reality from illusion for the benefit of everyone right the benefit of all right so this is part of the reality it's a little slap in the face we're going along thinking things are good and you know we got a bonus we got a raise at work and you know whatever we had a great holy festival but you know it's reminding us that this is what will happen to all of us so text 17 in this way, he comes under the clutches of death and lies down, surrounded by lamenting friends and relatives. And though he, though he wants to speak with them, he no longer can because he is under the control of time. Srila Prabhupada's purport. For formality's sake, when a man is lying on his deathbed, his relatives come to him and sometimes they cry very loudly, addressing the dying man, O oh my father, Oh, my friend, or O oh my husband. In that pitiable condition, the dying man wants to speak with them and instruct them of his desires, but because he is fully under the control of the time factor, death, he cannot express himself, and that causes him inconceivable pain. So you want to speak, but you can't. Right? So you want to say something, you want to, whatever you want to say, and you can't. He's already in a painful condition because of disease and his glands and throat are choked up with mucus. He's already in a very difficult position and when he's addressed by his relatives in that way, his grief increases. Because, you know, here you are, some of the greatest things you have an attachment for in this world and the attachments are being taken away. It's, uh, you know, it's a painful thing. Uh, You know, there's so much kind of like Glorification of someone, you know, being surrounded by their relatives when they pass away, right? It's it's sometimes in the paper. So and so passed away, surrounded by their wife or friends, and you know, you can see on one level how that is seen as a positive thing, right? Um, and I guess it can be if if the like I've seen conversations where, especially this is with devotees. I haven't seen it with non-devotees, but um, where. I remember B.B. Govinda Maharaj with this one Mataji was just saying, you have permission to go, go, don't hang on just go to Krishna, you know, you know. Um, but at the same time, if all the objects of your attachment are there that can be perhaps even more painful in one sense, although dying alone has its own, everything is painful <laughs> right, About death, it's, it's just, it's because we have this false conception of who we are Giri Govardhan Prabhu gave a wonderful class yesterday. Every Saturday now there's a thematic class in the temple during Bhagavatam class and he gave this amazing class with PowerPoint presentations and things um, just trying to help us understand how we, what the senses are, what the mind is, what the intelligence is, what the false ego is and how we're none of those things. Um, so because, but because we, or to the extent that we identify with those things. To that extent, it's, it's painful. It's very difficult. If we don't, uh, like Srila Prabhupada, if we don't identify at all, then it's just like, uh, it's explained in the fourth canto of the Bhagavatam with Dhruva Maharaj that it's like, uh, which comes first, lightning or thunder, Henry? Lightning. Right, so it's like lightning and thunder. You leave this world, you're with Krishna. Or we understand that generally if you you join the road show, right, you uh, join Krishna in the, wherever Krishna is in the material universe, universes, yeah, like that. Um, so this is this is uh, and, and we of course we have some encouragement also statements by Srila Prabhupada such as uh, even if you're forgetting Krishna at the time of death, if you have served him and his mission your whole life, then Lord Chaitanya will force himself into your mind at the time of death. So, uh, but it is, it's a very, very difficult situation. Um, The false ego is an extremely powerful element that takes something spiritual, who we are, we're actually the soul, and uh, convinces us that we're something material. Uh, uh, Gary Governor Prabhu said something nice yesterday, He uh, he said, we usually say I'm not this body, because that's, that's repeating what Srila Prabhupada said. But really, we're not these bodies, all these different bodies we've had. All these different bodies, we're none of those. So I've been doing a little experiment. I've been, um, uh, just before chanting, sitting still and reciting just some of, the, some of those simple verses in the second, camp, the second chapter of the Gita. Just trying to close my eyes and say, as the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth, old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at death. Self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. The non-permanent appearance of happiness and distress and their disappearance in due course are like the appearance and disappearance of the winter and summer seasons. They arise from sense perception of Sainabharata, and one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. So think, uh, just a few, just try to get my consciousness a little that I'm, I'm a soul, not this body, and then a, and then other meditations while chanting. I've been trying it just a few days and it seems to be helpful a little bit. Some thoughts
1: on this? Yeah. Hare Krishna. So just remembering Srila Prabhupada, once he said that living in pa- Mayapur yeah, as well as dying, is the same. You live in the Mayapur, you're ex- you know, experiencing, you're in the spiritual world, and once you die, you're back in the spiritual world. Yeah. So like such realizations help us.
0: Yeah, well, that's my hope, right, that my mom passed <laughs> away in Vrindavan, and, you know, you get liberated by your relatives, so <laughs> that's, that's what I'm counting on. <laughs> yeah. So this, um, so should we continue with the... Uh, Sufferings of this world. Thus, the man who engaged in uncontrolled senses. Now, of course, this is important. That again, why I read ahead last week. This is for the the person who um, did not lead a pious life, who engaged with uncontrolled senses in maintaining a family, dies in great grief, seeing his relatives crying. He dies most pathetically in great pain and without consciousness. At death, he sees the messengers of the Lord of Death come before him, their eyes full of wrath. And in great fear, he passes stool and urine. So yes, uh, the, I, I would guess it's not a heck of a lot of fun to see the Yamadutas. Right. They seem like uh, those, those paintings in the 7th canto, 6th canto of the Bhagavatam, you know, um. yeah. <laughs> As a criminal is arrested for punishment by the constables of the state, a person engaged in criminal sense gratification is similarly arrested by the Yamadutas, who bind him by the neck with strong rope and cover his subtle body so that he may undergo severe punishment. So this point about subtle body um, and... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a discussion point about... the, 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 uh, is, the is the sufferings in the... Um, in the Hellish planets, mainly are they physical and mental, or are they mainly the mind, intelligence, and ego that suffers? You know, these things. Prabhupada writes that every living entity is covered by a subtle and gross body. The subtle body is the covering of mind, intelligence, ego, and consciousness. So sometimes chitta or consciousness is a fourth element added, right? It is said in the scriptures that the constables of Yamaraj cover the subtle body of the culprit and take him to the abode of Yamaraj to be punished in a way that that he is able to tolerate. So we should try to avoid that program. While carrying, by carried by the constables of Yamaraj, he is overwhelmed and troubles, trembles in his hands. While passing on the road, he is bitten by dogs and he can remember the sinful activities of his life. He is thus ter- terribly distressed. So, again, this may be happening in the subtle body. I'm trying to read if Prabhupada mentions that here. Under the scorching sun, the, crimin- the criminal has to pass through roads of hot sand and forest fires on both sides. He is whipped on the back by the constables because of his inability to walk, and he is afflicted by hunger and thirst. But, unfortunately, there is no drinking water, no shelter, and no place for rest on the road. While passing on the road on that road to the abode of Yamaraj, he falls down in fatigue, and sometimes he becomes unconscious. But he is forced to rise again. In this way, he is very quickly brought to the presence of Yamaraj. Thus he has to pass ninety nine thousand yojanas within two or three moments. So that would mean that would seem to mean that it was subtle. Right? The body doesn't do that. Um, and then he is at once engaged in the torturous punishment which he is destined to suffer. He is placed in the midst of burning pieces of wood and his limbs are set on fire. In some cases he is made to eat his own flesh or have it eaten by others. He, his entrails, entrails are pulled out by the hounds and vultures of hell even though he is still alive to see it and he is subjected to torment by serpents, scorpions, gnats, and other creatures that bite him. Next, his limbs are lopped off and torn asunder by elephants. He is hurled down from hilltops, and he's also held captive either in water or in a cave. Men and women whose lives were built upon indulgence in illicit sex life are put into many kinds of miserable conditions in the hells known as Tamisra, and Rorava. Lord Kapila continue, my dear mother, he's talking to his mother like, oh, my dear mother.
1: <laughs>
0: it is sometimes said that we experience hell or heaven in this planet. For hellish punishments are sometimes visible on this planet also. Purport, sometimes unbelievers do not accept these statements of scriptures regarding hell. They disregard such authorized descriptions. Lord Kapila therefore conter- confirms them by saying that these hellish conditions are also visible on, visible on this planet. It is not that they are only on the planet where Yamaraj lives. On the planet of Yamaraj, the sinful man is given the chance to practice, practice living in, hell, in the hellish conditions which he will have to endure in his next life. And then he is given a chance to take birth on another planet to continue his hellish life. So it does, again, indicate that this is happening on the subtle platform. So what can you think of that are hellish conditions in this world, right on this planet... We need a microphone for you.
2: So I compare myself, I'm in a devotee association and which is good, like it's a great blessing and great fortune. Mm-hmm. You know, who don't have this devotee association you know, they all know they are suffering. That's one. And, like, in the material world, people who really don't know about God... I'm not living in Somalia or, like, in these countries where, like, suffering for water, food... Well, like to live.
0: okay. So there's places like that.
2: There's places like that. So yes. I'm blessed that, like, you know, I'm in a safe place in a safe country and, like, I'm well-protected here. So... So there's so hellish
0: places and the, there's hellish countries or... Hell, I, I, I do... Um, some pro basically pro bono mediations in the uh, landlord-tenant court in, in Washington DC and this is Washington DC and lots of times there's things about cockroaches and uh, holes in the wall and mold and so even I mean, of course that may not be heavy heavy hellish but even people living in DC have uh, or you know a few miles from here have some very you know not very nice living conditions. One person had, had a hole like this big in their floor that I did, Yes, was it yesterday? Friday, uh, mediation and they and just couldn't like practically live there and she has six children. Okay, so what else, what other, other examples of like hellish even on this planet? Henry, you got some examples?
1: Well, um, yes, I was looking in National Geographic the other day and they have the people that break down the ships the people that break down the ships in Bangladesh on the coast, they like carve up big like oil tankers with little hand tools and they're in like bare feet and they're taking apart these giant things and they fall on them and crush them sometimes. It's a really, really rough job. Mm. So they're, they're, they're actually people that are working, but they work in a completely hellish situation.
0: Yeah, there's, in one place, Prabhupada says uh, factory is another name for hell. And especially the fact, you know, he, was, he probably wrote that in the mid-60s. And the factories in India, I've been to the Tata steel factory in uh, Jamshedpur. Uh, and for the average worker, it's, you know, it's, Jamshedpur is not a cool place. It's hot in the summer. And they're working in these hot, hot, you know, just I saw people just like, faces just covered with grime and, you know, and the, um, and I, I'm living, I lived in Detroit for many years and there's parts of Detroit where the factories are. It's just Ugra karma. Mm-hmm. Right. What else? We're talking about hellish conditions that are visible on this planet. Is Prabhupada's words. Is it working? Yeah, it is.
1: Oh, yeah, don't turn it off no no it should be great press it longer so it yes okay so um i was thinking as we are talking about hellish conditions on this planet people can experience them at bodily level as well as mental level yes. too yes so everything looking fine people living in mansions everything seems perfect in life yet they would be they could be going through a lot
0: Absolutely. internally a- a- people
1: a- going to psychiatrists all the time or not going and
0: they should be going. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we've quoted that many times, right? That Srila Prabhupada said that in the first canto, that the uh, mental diseases in Kali Yuga are worse than the physical ones. So that's, that's a good point. You know, then you hear about some uh, wealthy person or something like that committing suicide or, or what is it, murder, suicide, you know, uh, um, kind of thing. Uh, who was that uh, famous uh, comedian who was in. Uh, What was his name? Hollywood. 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 Very famous. He committed suicide. Did he commit suicide? Oh. What? No, Jim Carrey's still alive. Robin Williams. Yeah, as a dissonant example. Right. Um, so yes, there could be people here in Potomac who are actually in more anxiety and more suffering than a person with a hole in their floor. Something like that. Yes.
1: Hare Krishna. So, coming exactly to the same point, jara Jaravadhi Dukkha shanu Dashanam. So, again, Shri Prabhupada quoted so many times to remind that this material place is a place of misery. Right. So, hell manifests in one form or another. It's just uh, sometimes the magnitude increases. The three types of material miseries are also a reflection of that Adi Devik, Adi Bhadi, and Adhyatmik. Yeah. You know, caused by the natural disasters, caused by the living conditions. Yeah, natural disasters. Even the beautiful
0: Hawaii, yes, no offense, uh, <laughs> is going through uh, things right now. Or have you ever flown into Mumbai? And uh, just on either side of the airport, there's that huge—what um, do they call it—a slum? Or yeah, huge, goes on for miles. Right, and it, you see it right when as you're as you're descending on the airplane. Yes, um, and then what is it? To ha- I, mean, I don't know what percentage, but a huge percentage of the world lives on less than two dollars a day, right? Or or doesn't have good drinking water. So yeah, so it's uh, yeah. We most of us probably in this room live a relatively comfortable life um, comparatively, but um, but it's probably saying here that it, there's hellish conditions right here. You don't know, forget about the descriptions of under Tiamat. Think about Maryland or Virginia or DC. Yeah. And I work a lot with Native Americans. I go to Native American reservations and very lots of suffering. Yeah. And like you said, it's all pervasive because you can't avoid birth, death, old age, and disease. Yeah. Okay, so that was enlivening. After leaving this body, the man who maintained himself. Did I read that right?
1: No. I did
0: read that? No. It just sounds similar. After leaving this body, the man who maintained himself and his family by sinful activities suffers a hellish life, and his relatives suffer also. Purport. The mistake of modern civilization is that man does not believe in the next life. Right? It would be a very, very different world. If, especially two things. If we believed in the next life and we understood that there was karma so that your activities in this life affect your destination in your next life. You would need both of those, right? Reincarnation and karma. Right? But whether he believes or not, I always like this sentence, whether he believes or not, the next life is there. And one has to suffer if one does not lead a responsible life in terms of the injunctions of authoritative scriptures like the Vedas and Puranas. So, you know, so it's on a certain level, if accepting that the Vedas are correct as a premise, then it doesn't matter if somebody says they believe in reincarnation or not. Right? Do you, if you you may believe in the IRS or not believe in the IRS, <laughs> but you either have to pay taxes or or you know endure the consequence. So if there is if there is inca- uh, reincarnation, if there is if this body, if there is a next life, then it doesn't really matter if you believe it or not. I mean, it's still going to happen. Right? You may not believe you're going to get old, but it's going to happen may not believe one day you're going to get diseased, it's going to happen. It may not think about you, you, that you're actually going to die, but it happens. So similarly, the next life, it, ha- it happens. It, again, it, it, that's the purport of the authoritative scriptures. Right? So you may believe or not believe, but it's not really, on a certain level, it's not really a question of belief. Although the fact is that if you do believe it, and you want to do something about it, that's very good. Right Because that's, look, that's the mistake of modern civilization. So when you think about it, modern civilization created so many cool things, you know, uh, smartphones and this and that, but if they're missing that one simple point, that one simple point, <laughs> that there is a next life, then it's like, you know,, it's like what is it rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic? species lower than human beings are not responsible for their actions because they are made to act in a certain way but in the developed life of human consciousness if one is not responsible for his activities then he is sure to get a hellish life as described herein so and this is hard for me to say but it's true that we have an added responsibility now that we know better. Right? You ever have your mom tell you, like when you were a child, you you know better than that. right? So we know better than that now that we have come in contact with the Vedic literature. So we have an added responsibility even more than having a human life. right? Any thoughts on this? Vagananda Prabhu? And then...
2: Unfortunately, what Prabhupada stated in that first line is becoming more and more truer because with the modern education, even like people who are born in India, they feel that to consider that there is life after death is like foolishness. Uh-huh. And people who, they look down at people who said those statements or believe in those statements as sentimental fools. hmm it's unfortunate like and I see more and more of the younger generation do you still believe in that?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate they really believe in H1B1 visas and green cards
2: and, green and green cards. Cards. <laughs>
0: things like that yeah. Um, yeah it's it is the uh, and therefore and also I think we've talked about this before that sometimes they've seen their parents or their grandparents in India, and it seems kind of hocus pocus. Somebody's worshiping Ganesh, and what's that all about? And Shiva with you know with, you know with his snakes, and you know what's that all about? And so it's really incumbent upon us to because they in other words they don't they don't they aren't familiar with the philosophy that underpins the Hinduism that they've been exposed to. So you just go on Diwali and you throw some colors on Holi and you know. Whatever, right? You may Navarat, you know, different depending on which part of India you're from, right? Um, So that's what I, I found here in ISKCON is that sometimes you see a young person whose parents or grandparents are from India, and when they actually understand the philosophy, then they become very enlivened. That, that All that stuff that, you know, hearing some bell in the, in the top floor with grandmas, you know, doing her thing. And, you know, there was actually some reasons behind that, even if grandma didn't know them. Right? And then they, they can get more enlivened. So it's, it's, you know, even if we win them over just by halava, we'll just come to the temple because we have this great Sunday feast it will remind you of your grandmother's cooking when you were a kid or something like that. You know, whatever, because there is the um, Mormon effect. You're familiar with that, the Mormon effect? The Mormon effect is that the Mormon church seems quite similar to Protestant churches that you went to as a child. So it wasn't such a big step to go from being an Episcopal or whatever to a Mormon. At least they're still talking about Jesus. They're still wearing, you know, uh, the same, similar clothes. They're still quoting the Bible to some extent, although they add the Book of Mormon and all that. But it's, it's not... So, so similarly, for people from India to come to ISKCON, you have the Mormon effect, whereas for Westerners to come to ISKCON, it's a shaved head, dhoti, tilak, oh my God. It's, it's not the Mormon effect. It's a whole new, different thing. So we do have that advantage if... Um, find ways to... Uh, To capture their mind and have a philosophical discussion with them, but you're right—they—they just kind of like, yeah. You're wasting your time. time. Well, let's discuss that. What is the goal? What? what, What's? What's the? What? So if I'm not wait, what would be a good use of my time? And hear what they have to say, and say, okay, that's interesting.
1: Jiva. Hare Krishna. So. The mistake of modern civilization, Srila Prabhupada means he once saw in New York on the billboard, it's saying, Is there life after sex? And he immediately chuckled. See, they are trying to see, you know, the whole human civilization, the materialistic perspective is based on sex, and they are thinking that if there is life after sex, then I'll be happy. It's like, okay, you drink, you'll go to hell. Oh, my brother also thinks he'll also go to hell. My father also thinks he'll... When everyone is there, then it's not hell, it's heaven. That sounds like heaven. (laughs) So that's the perception, and they're completely misguided. Not realizing that they are, you know, paving a path down instead of, you know, relieving themselves from all this misery. Yeah, it's a
0: very deep philosophy, and we have to express it in such a way that will attract people's minds. Um, Shall we carry on? He goes alone to the darkest regions of hell after quitting the present body. And the money he acquired by envying other living entities is the passage money with which he leaves this world. Thus, by the arrangement of the supreme personality of Godhead, the maintainer of kinsmen is put into a hellish condition to suffer for his sinful activities, like a man who has lost his wealth. You ever really suffer af- uh, thinking you lost something? You ever lose something, and it's how painful it can be.
2: Depending on
0: what you've Yeah, I I, went, I think did I tell this story already? <laughs> that I that I left. Yeah, yeah I left my phone in. Uh, I don't even remember where it was. I know, but I don't remember which airport. It was a small airport somewhere. Oh, it was Sioux Falls, um, South Dakota. But anyway, um, yeah, and it's just, you know. Or, I think everybody needs to go, this, like, go
1: through this experience of misplacing or losing your iPhone <laughs> or cell phone. I mean really truly we have been through it two times and now we are like, I, I know at least I'm very detached from it. Like, oh, yeah. I it, My picture, whatever is not there, I'm like I'm used to that idea that's gone. <laughs> Krishna will take it away someday, be ready for it. Yeah.
0: Yes. So here everything's <laughs> taken away. <laughs> Everything's taken away, and that can be very, very. It can uh, be a very painful experience. Therefore, and now we actually covered this verse. A person who is very eager to maintain his family, or did we cover this one? Yeah. Um, and kinsmen simply by black methods certainly goes to the darkest region of hell, which is known as Andhra Tamishra. And so this is we quote. We read the purports here where Prabhupada is saying this is not does not apply to an honest. Honest Householder who's making a living in an honest way. and Finally, having gone through all the miserable hellish conditions and having passed in a a regular order through the lowest forms of animal life prior to human birth and having thus been purged of his sins, one is reborn again as a human being on this earth. And that's the end of the 30th chapter of the third canto. We're almost done with this canto. It's amazing. It's a long canto. So, beginning, Lord Kapila's instructions on the movements of the living entities. The the personality of God had said, under the supervision of the Supreme Lord, and according to the... Now, that's, you know, the the arrangements that he's made. You know, he, he doesn't directly he has other things to do. We know that, right? But through his, through his arrangement and through his representatives and according to the results of his work, the living entity, the soul, is made to enter the womb of a, mother, a woman through the particle of male semen to assume a particular type of body. Very appropriate uh, chapter for Mother's Day. Right. <laughs> We're hearing about birth. On the first night, the sperm and ovum mix, and on the fifth night, the mixture ferments into a bubble. On the tenth night, it develops into a form like a plum, and after that, it gradually turns into a lump of flesh or an egg, as the case may be. In the course of a month, a head is formed, and at the end of two months, the hands, feet, and other limbs take shape. By the end of the three months, the nails, fingers, toes, body, hair, bones, and skin appear, as do the organs of generation and the other apertures in the body, namely the eyes, nostrils, ears, mouth, and anus. Within four months, from the date of conception, the seven essential ingredients of the body, namely chile, chile, blood, flesh, fat, bone, marrow, and semen, come into existence. At the end of five months, hunger and thirst make themselves felt. And at the end of six months, the fetus, enclosed by the amyum, begins to move on the right side of the abdomen. During its nutrition, uh, deriving its nutrition from the food and drink taken by the mother, the fetus grows and remains in that abominable residence of stools and urine, which is the breeding place of all kinds of worms. And Prabhupada writes in the second paragraph, Since the child depends completely on the assimilated foodstuff of the mother, during pregnancy there are restrictions on the food taken by the mother. Too much salt, chili, onion, and similar food is forbidden by the pregnant mother because the child's body is too delicate and new for him to tolerate some such pungent food. Restrictions and precautions uh, to be taken by the pregnant mother as enunciated in the Smriti scriptures of the Vedic literature are very useful. So you know, if you look uh, up what modern doctors in the West, they don't necessarily say much about spicy things and things like that but they do generally restrict uh... alcohol right? and then all kinds of things that could contribute to the uh, worms and things just anything you know uh... raw meat and and uh... eggs uh, uncooked you know things that can, um, can that can create bacteria and things like that so they have a different list than the list here but um... It, but this, you know, makes sense because Prabhupada mentions how the umbilical cord connects the nutrients, right? And that, of course, is derived from the food. So, you know, um, it's been 59 years since I've been in the womb of my mother, so I don't remember it very well. But uh, that's... Uh, so There, so some restrictions are good. Um, actually, okay. The garbhodan... Uh, ceremony before sexual intercourse was compulsory for persons in the higher grades of society and it, is ve- and it is very scientific other processes recommended in the Vedic literature during pregnancy are also very important to, so the Garbhadhana samskara, uh, samskara in, in Iskand Prabhupada made it simple he just said to ch- uh, chant at least 50 rounds of japa and so the, the, intra, the uh, amazing thing about Garbhadang samskara, especially in Srila Prabhupada's emphasis on the spiritual nature of it, is that even the act of sexual intercourse can be quite a spiritual experience. If one is in the right consciousness, that—that is—that one wants to call a uh, pious, a Krishna-conscious soul into uh, into this world, and so it, being in that mood um, when conceiving a child can be a, a very can be a very spiritual uh, thing. So uh, there's no limit; one doesn't have to chant 50 rounds. One can chant 110. Uh, you know, just set aside the whole day for chanting or whatever or hearing shastra or something but just really trying to get um you know one can go enjoy you know go have some ice cream or something but but in terms of this it's such an important thing this this uh, child is going to be accompanying you and your family for uh, a long time and so it's uh, it's a good idea to uh so i know a lot of the the uh, children born into ISCON, they always like Joke with each other. Are you a 50 rounder? Are you a 50 rounder? You know, <laughs> like that. Um, but it's it's it probably says it's a very scientific thing. But it's a very it's not only scientific but spiritual because you're actually praying to the Lord. You're in the, a certain kind of consciousness at, at that time, and uh, that's it's it's can be very uh, uplifting. Um, and then there's other processes recommended in the Vedic literature. Um, Probably the, the, the best process is to uh, read the Srimad Bhagavatam to the child. Because who, 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 who had the fortune of hearing when they were in the womb? Well, that wasn't the one that we generally hear about. Prahlad Maharaj, because he was in the ashram. Right? Yeah. So there's, there's three. I can think of three womb stories. Who said, someone said Sukadev. Yeah, so Sukadev is another womb story, right? Because he didn't want to come out. Yeah, he was like, "Forget it." This like, you know. And then there's one other one is Prichit Maharaj, right? Because he was protected in the womb. Any other stories in the Shastras? Abhimanyu. Abhimanyu. Mm. What's the Abhimanyu story? Microphone.
2: When uh, Arjuna's wife uh, was uh, pregnant. And Arjuna was relating the arts of military warfare and the strategies. And uh, the wife, Subhadra, dozed off. But there was still sound coming from the womb. Mm. The child was listening very carefully. He said, go on. (laughs) "Mm, And then most of the uh, strategies were explained and Krishna comes and stops Arjuna. And that one is the one that Abhimanyu doesn't know. And that's the one that he gets trapped in.
0: Ah, interesting. Yes, so I think my wife got up to like the middle of the ninth canto by the time uh, Gopinath was born. Like that, so it's a a good practice. Uh, And then listen to this, to take care of the child is the primary duty of the parents because if such care is taken, society will be filled with good population to maintain the peace and prosperity of the society, country, and human race. So this is, you know, this, uh, it's interesting because what Prabhupada is saying here is very similar to what Arjuna said in the first chapter, which Krishna rejected. But we have to understand, Arjuna was right. You know, adharma uh, bibavak Krishna pradushanti kulastriya what is it? Srishu dusashu varshneya jayate sankara right? Uh, and he said that it should be a peaceful society, and we should take care of children, and if, and if we. Get involved in irreligion, then then um, then the men are involved in a religion, the women will follow, and then the women will be taken advantage of, and they'll be varna sangskar, right, unwanted progeny. So that you know, Prabhupada is speaking on this level in this purport. Of course, our you decided to go to this level, where we're not we're not this body, um, but as a general rule, as because here Prabhupada is talking about society, country, and human race. You can imagine if. People really, uh, you know, all over the world took real care of their children, um, and and had and did what speak of garbhadang samskar or something like that. Uh, It would be a uh, it would be a uh, nice place to live. There's so many people who are emotionally and psychologically a wreck due to their upbringing. And even and even and some some people they 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 they, um, modern society especially with smartphones and things like that we've kind of swung the pendulum the other way so now you have helicopter parents who you know keep track of their every move of the child and you know there's play dates I'm not you know again I'm not saying all these are bad but um, it's just either either neglect or smothering and sometimes nothing kind of like sane in the middle (laughs) of taking care. But uh, especially the first five years of a child's life, um, it's, it's really good for them to have a regular uh, time with their mother. I see, like at work, that uh, sometimes after usually maternity leave is three or four months in the federal government. Actually, I think it's three, but if you take a fourth month, you, you know, it's unpaid, something like that. And then, you know, then it's daycare all day long. Um, and maybe some daycares are really, really good. Again, I'm not. I'm not trying to make a blanket statement about. It, but I. But you know, we understood that when, at least when Gopinath was born, that this, my wife took five years off of doing um, her teaching. She did some, uh, you know, substitute teaching and helped out and things like that. But her focus was on him. And then he went off to school and you know, like that. And sometimes it may not be possible in this world because you know, you're you need to. Um, salaries to just get by in life you know so so it's not it's not just a blanket statement that all that is terrible but uh... the idea though of um, well what's it is a good day it's mother's day right motherhood is a very 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 wonderful occupation (laughs) and uh... what is it The the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world right so if the child is brought up with great care and attention by both parents um, then um, they, especially in those first five years, if they basically are, um, what is it, Chanakya Pandas says, you pamper them, first five years. And then there's this gradual strictness from five, to, of course, it may be adjusted in modern days, but five to 16. And then after 16, you know, supposed to be more like a friend. How old are you, Govin? Oh, one more year and you're a friend. But right now, super strict. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, we things may be adjusted according, but his the point was that uh, as children get older, actually they need some boundaries. The boundaries don't have to be like this, you know, suffocating, but it's actually not good to just whatever, and neither is it good to just, you know, hey, I saw on this, where were you? You know, at 321? You know. Yeah, it's amazing how things have changed. Henry, you and I both grew up, in America, and you did as well. Um, you know, my mom's thing was just be home by seven. That was it. You know, but now, you, you know, everything is scheduled and things like that, it's a, it's a different uh, world. So any, any points on the, this, this uh, purport? Yeah? What happened? Oh.
1: Hare Krishna. And it's a very, like you mentioned, for mothers, especially on today's Mother's Day, it's a very tough choice. Should they be lenient with the kids, or should they, that would, could encourage bad habits, or should no. they be strict so that they develop good habits? It's always a challenge on this day. Yeah. So fathers have to make sure that you know, bad habits don't get formed and the good habits persist. So yeah. we well, also have responsibility. In my
0: family, I was a good cop and my wife was a bad cop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah yes uh there's what is that uh there's that a Chanika sloka about leniency we actually about it. Five years yeah years is larger than strictly
1: yeah
0: and yes so it is it is important though that um that mother that in a, in a proper society that motherhood be uh, respected right? cuz what's happened in this world now is, okay, it's fine if, if if women have jobs or even, you know, are leaders. That, that's fine. But one shouldn't poo-poo, shouldn't look down on, you know, someone who's sec- second class because they're staying home and taking care of their children. That should be seen as a glorious occupation for those that choose it. And it's certainly kind of in keeping with our tradition, right? So it's, there's nothing against it. Uh, and that's, that is a mistake in society that it's almost like, you know, it's not considered, uh, it's a wonderful occupation. And a challenging one, super challenging one, right? And Anaturth Mantra, you must remember the times when your children were young and sick and you're up all night and, and, you know, and walking them back and forth, trying to get them to sleep. You put them down, they start crying. You know, <laughs> it's, and pregnancy isn't fun either. Right, especially the first three months. So, uh, yeah, bitten again and again by all over the body, by the hungry worms in the abdomen itself, the child suffers terrible agony because of his tenderness. He thus becomes unconscious. Uh, he thus becomes unconscious moment after moment because of the terrible condition. The miserable conditions of material existence purport is not only felt. When we come out of the womb of the mother, but also present within the womb. <laughs> so, like the whole thing is summary, right? You know, the, I mean, I, the child suffers when they come out, the child's crying and crying when he comes out in this world. You know, the, the reason we never had a second child, my wife just said, forget it. It's way too painful. No way. Absolutely not. Forget it. <laughs> um, Miserable miserable life begins from the moment the living entity begins to contact this material body. Unfortunately, we forget this experience and do not take the miseries of birth very seriously. In Bhagavad Gita, therefore, it is specifically mentioned that one should be very alert to understand the specific difficulties of birth and death. Jiva Prabhu quoted that verse. Just as during the formation of this body, We have to pass through so many difficulties within the womb of the mother. At the time of death, there are also so many difficulties. As described in the previous chapter, one has to transmigrate from one body to another, and the transmigration into the bodies of dogs and hogs is especially miserable. But despite such miserable conditions due to the spell of maya, we forget everything and become enamored with the present so-called happiness, which is described as actually no more than a counteraction of distress. So that's, you know, we remember we quoted that song by, uh, you know, all the sufferings in the world, and then it just lets up a little, and we think we like it here. So that's kind of like Maya. It's, um, and therefore the Bhagavatam, especially the Bhagavad Gita, especially it's talking about the Gani, but the Gani who becomes a, we can also participate in Gan as it leads to bhakti. And so Janma Mritu Jiraviati Dukkha Doshanu Darshanam. It's not easy to do that, to remember, you know, it's, it's being, it's super philosophical, especially when you're 25 years old or something like that, or 30 or 35 or 40, you know, that birth, death, disease and all that. Well, birth, okay, it finished until next life. Death, long way away. I'm healthy right now, so no, and I'm not old now. So what's the problem? Right? It's not easy to have that kind, you know, Krishna has that vision of eternity, Right? And, and therefore you know, this spot life, like Srila Prabhupada once said, you know, just, what's the problem? Just give this one life to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You've had so many lives, just give one life. You know? We don't think like that. We think, oh gosh, I've dedicated, I've done so much for Krishna. But, um, so it's not easy to do that when you don't have the ex, you know, Experience is a teacher, but we also know that it's a, what is it, a second or is it third class teacher? First class is you hear something, right? And then, you, and then you, that's how you learn. And I, I forget the, the progression, but second, but down, down the path is, is experiencing it, and then you learn. And then the worst one is experiencing it and still not learning. <laughs> and I think there's another purport that comes up that it's very much like that. You know, because we, we, you know, especially as you get older, yes, okay, I, Old age is coming. I do experience it. My memory is not as sharp as it. But anyway, it's still good for a couple more years. So it lets up a little. It only lets up a little. Then I think I like it here. (laughs) So, um, it is good to remember the power and potency of Maya, of the illusory energy. Very, very powerful and subtle. And as we... If we deal with the gross things, then the maya can become more subtle. Right? But uh, we forget everything um, due to the spell of maya. The spell. Right? You think of like you know, Harry Potter or something, casting a spell on someone. So maya has cast a spell on us So here's just one, and that's that's the point Srila Prabhupada is making, here's one suffering the child in the womb there's another suffering, the mother who gives birth to the child I can't imagine what that's like in this life because I didn't have that experience, but I remember my wife was like forget this Um, and then so the child suffers, then in death we suffer Um, you know there's a lot of suffering going around any thoughts? Shall we continue with the suffering (coughs) Uh, chapter? (laughs) Owing to the mother's eating bitter, pungent foodstuffs, or food which is too salty or too sour, the body of the child incessantly suffers pains which are almost intolerable. Placed within the, what is that? Amion. Amion, and covered outside by the intestines, the child remains lying on one side of the abdomen, his head turned towards his belly and his back and neck, arched like a bow. Prabhupada writes, it is an unfortunate civilization in which these matters are not plainly discussed to make people understand the precarious condition of material existence. So, yes, we we, we really are afraid of the truth or reality. Right? And we go, Oh, you're pregnant, how wonderful. You know, of course for devotees we do that also, but it's a devotee child, you know. But the the child's probably knocking on the womb, saying it's not so wonderful in here. You know. <laughs> 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 my, wife, my mom just had a samosa with you know too much chili in it, <laughs> you know, whatever. Ah. So it's an unfortunate civilization. That doesn't Discuss these matters. Of course, you know, also ideally wants to discuss Krishna Kata, you know, matters about bhakti. But, you know, hand in hand, understanding this isn't a good place and oh, there's such a great place. That's a good combination. So I I, I think it's what? Unfortunate civilization. Could you imagine? I'm just starting to think if, like, a pregnant woman comes to work and I say, well, ah, it's nice you're having a child. You know how much your child's suffering in the womb (laughs) right (laughs) now? I'd probably lose my job in about five minutes. You know. <laughs> Quote some of these verses from the Bhagavatam. I'd have the EEO against me. Um, so, uh, yeah. So it's we're lucky that we can that we have the Bhagavatam, which really, you know, just like they have a saying in in the world about teaching uh, speaking truth to power. So the Bhagavatam speaks truth to Maya. And really tries to cut through the illusion. So what is it again? Separating the uh, reality from illusion for the benefit of all—is that how it goes? Something like that. The first—is that the first verse? The first verse of the Bhagavatam. So, any thoughts on this about the unfortunate civilization? Okay. The child thus remains just like a bird in a cage without freedom of movement. At that time, if the child is fortunate, he can remember all the troubles of his past 100 births, and he grieves wretchedly. What is, what is the possibility of peace of mind in that condition? How are we doing time-wise? Okay, we're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Another purport. After birth, the child may forget about the difficulties of his past lives. But when we are grown up, we can at least understand the grievous tortures undergone at birth and death by reading the authoritative scriptures like Srimad Bhagavatam. If we do not believe in the scriptures, that is a different opinion. That is a different question. But if we have faith in the authority of such descriptions, then we must prepare for our freedom in the next life. In the 60s when I grew up, you know, freedom was such a key word. I, you know. It was, uh, it was, was a whole. Uh, there was songs about it, and of course Woodstock and freedom. Um, but this is talking about it. it's a very different kind of freedom, right? Then we must prepare for our freedom in the next life. That is possible in this human form of life. One who does not take heed of these indications of suffering in human existence is said to be undoubtedly committing suicide. It is said that this human form of life is the only means for crossing over the nescience of maya, or material existence. We have a very effective boat in this human form of body, and there is a very effective expert captain, the spiritual master. The scriptural injunctions are like favorable winds. If we do not cross over the ocean of nescience of material existence in spite of all these facilities, and certainly we are all intentionally committing suicide, not literally, but spiritually. Right. So, any more about the, this? Yes, microphone.
2: Reminds of the uh, East the statement, Atmaha, killer uh, of the soul one who doesn't take advantage of the human life and the scriptural injunctions and just lives whimsical life, then they just become, yeah. they just commit suicide. Yeah.
0: True. Next verse or anything else? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually pretty amazing. Srila Prabhupada came with this incredible message In 1966, in America, you know, and people became attracted to, you know, a very sobering, at least this chapter, right, is extremely sobering, uh, uh, chapter of the Bhagavatam. Thus endowed with the development of consciousness from the seventh month after his conception, the child is tossed downward by the airs that press the embryo during the weeks preceding delivery, like the worms born of the same filthy abdomen. Domitable cavity, he cannot Remain in one place Text 11 Living entity in this frightful condition Of life, bound by seven Layers of material ingredients prays with folded hands Appealing to the Lord who has Put him in this condition So I was really um, Found it very helpful To read in um, Unveiling His Lotus Feet the uh, quote from Jiva Goswami because it never made sense to me fully because I've heard so many classes where devotees will give a class and say that kind of like implying that every living entity, every jiva, prays like this in the womb because we're going to start hearing the prayers of the, right. And I was thinking like, where did they, how could they have done that if they weren't devotees? You know. So here I'll read you. So in the Bhakti Sandarbha. Uh, Anucheda 151, Srila Jiva Goswami explains that only those souls who are fortunate prayerfully seek the Lord's shelter when they are still in the womb. Wow. Sri Jiva describes that a living entity must only pray in this way to the Lord for one birth, and that by Krishna's grace, his prayers will award him liberation from birth and death. Actually, Sri Jiva continues, such a fortunate living entity is rare, for most souls remain unaware of the merciful nature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And thus, only those in the womb who neglect to pray suffer. So, and so next time you hear a Bhagavatam class and somebody says, Oh, every child, you raise your hand and say, No, actually, that's not what Jiva Goswami says. <laughs> mm, it's a living entity. I just read the translation, right? Yeah. Now we're reading the purport. It is said that when a woman is having labor pains, she promises she will never again become pregnant and suffer from such severely painful conditions. Well, that does happen sometimes. Similarly, when one is undergoing some surgical operation, he promises that he will never again act in such a way to become diseased and have to undergo medical surgery. Or when one falls into danger, he promises he will never again make the same mistake. You ever done that? Maybe on a slower, on a smaller scale. Similarly, the living entity, when put into a hellish condition of life, prays to the Lord that He will never again commit sinful activities, and have to be put into the womb of repeated birth and death. In at least the pious ones, right? In the hellish condition within the womb, the living entity is very much afraid of being born again. And when he is out of the womb, when he is full, he is, and when he is. In full life and good health, he forgets everything and commits again and again the same (laughs) sins for which he was put into that horrible condition of existence. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur writes about this, that you're, you're born and then you're surrounded by relatives and then you just get this, all of these upadis. Right? You get a country that you're born in, you get a mother and a father, you get a religion that you're born in, you get a social, economic place and just all the, you know all all the upadis all the designations that you, you get in life come come very quickly to you and you know uh, right? cuz you just took on this body you know but now you know this body is indian or this body is gujarati or this body is from new york or this body is this or this body is that right well you just got it you know, ten months ago, if in the womb, right? Um, before that you had other Upadis, other designations. So um so this is a lesson to us in general, right? That when we suffer, when we go through something or we make a mistake and we promise, okay, Krishna, that's it, boss. No more. And then <laughs> again we do it like the elephant uh Bathing, actually, that's a very good example in the in the in the nectar of instruction that Sri Prabhupada gives. Right, that the elephant takes his bath, nice, gets nice and clean, and goes on shore and throws dirt on himself. And the example that is given then is uh, prayas chitta is like that. Prayas chitta is uh, different processes, and and the uh, different religions have their own ways of doing this of relieving oneself of the reactions of. Sins or bad activities. The Catholics have their confessions, for example, right? And okay, you're absolved of that, now just say so many Hail Marys and you know, like that. But because, but the point of that Srila Prabhupada is making there, Rupa Goswami is making there, is that you're not getting root of the root cause. And therefore you're going to do like this you can do it again. The root cause is a desire to enjoy separately from Krishna, right? And the root cause is our envy of Krishna, ultimately, or the, S, the existential cause. Um, so, the only, so bhakti is different. Bhakti, actually, you don't have to pre, perform a prayas chitta because you're just re-engaging in your constitutional position who you really are. Um, so, mundane prayas chittas aren't necessary for a devotee, just reengaging in devotional service um, but i think we've all could relate to this purport in one way or another right that mean you know we undergo, we go through some some challenges some suffering whatever we say okay from now on i'm going to not do that anymore whatever it is and most of, for many of us we sometimes end up doing it again not always right? sometimes you really get some real scare about diabetes and you really do stop sugar or whatever or you know exercise or you know things like that so some thoughts on this a question, a question.
2: Uh, sometimes the tendency is there uh, you you were talking about re-engaging in the process of bhakti right? but sometimes like when doing something that's not conducive to bhakti, there is something that's like a block holding back, not to engage immediately in bhakti. It takes a takes a while to get over it and then again re-engage in uh, the process. Yeah. So, any reason why that? It's...
0: Well, my experience... Is that uh, unless we can, unless we really engage in tivrena bhakti yogena Tivrena means very kind of focused, right? If we don't do that, then it takes time for the mode of passion and ignorance to calm down. You ever have that experience? They, they sometimes talk about how. If you get very emotional about something, you know, fear or anger or, you know, whatever, it, it takes at least 20 minutes to kind of, like, chill. And that's even if you do some chillaxing, like, you know, count to ten or meditate or take a walk or, you know, whatever, go shopping. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Calms you down. Um, but I think, we've, I think we've also all experienced that if you can really... It's not easy because you're very affected by passion and ignorance but if you can really focus on, Christ, on something in Krishna consciousness really really try to hear the holy name really try to focus and it's not easy because the passion is still very strong right? but you know uh, maybe take a walk and pick up your beads and go and chant Hare Krishna or you know find a really quiet place and you know sit there and you know meditate on a, on a shloka of the Bhagavad Gita or something it's possible because one can be you know we, we learned from Katvanga Maharaj you can become Krishna conscious in a second, um, but as a but as a what we experience sometimes is to have uh, uh, some kind of semblance of sattva take over. What speak of shooter sattva, it the passion and ignorance uh, subside uh, not as quickly as we'd like them to. That's a, that's I'm I'm not sure if there may be, I'm sure there's much more to be said about that, but that's kind of my experience. Is that right? Is that your experience? Yes. Yeah, when the mind is... You ever, you ever pick up a Bhagavatam? We've talked about this. Pick up a Bhagavatam, you read two or three pages and you don't remember anything. You, you know, your, your eyes read the words but the mind was 10,000 miles away and you really can't remember what you just read.
1: All right? Hare Krishna. So, again, when you read this verse, the translation, there's a tendency, the translation it ends with like Appealing to the Lord who has put him in that condition, the tendency sometimes could be, Oh, well, this is all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, pointing fingers. Uh, Good reminds point. of, yeah. So again, it is not he, I means like Sachin Maharaj, he wanted to, you know, uh, ask this question before he really became devotee. He asked Srila Prabhupada as, why did Krishna created Maya? And Srila Prabhupada immediately, you know, in a very strong voice responded that it's not Krishna who created Maya, you created Maya. <laughs> Identifying that we living entities are the cause of the existence of Maya. There is no use of Maya otherwise. All we have to do is just engage in serving Krishna and there is no use of Maya. But we desire to engage apart from Krishna and that's why Maya comes into existence. Yes. So we yes. are the cause, not yes. Krishna.
0: Yeah, just like, you know, you sometimes… Uh, Pre, uh, talk to people about Krishna consciousness. They say, "I'll become a devotee when Krishna wants me to." <laughs> You've heard that, yeah? yeah. Yes. Uh, microphone for you. I am confused
1: um, because uh, Prabhu say. Um, Hold the mic like this, uh, like Prabhu. karaoke. Yeah, yeah. I'm confused because the Prabhu say uh, 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 Krishna. No created Maya, and I think I read in a uh, Krishna book when uh, he said that the, the Maya is his uh, made servant of Krishna. Energy, so he's among of his energy. So how it come? is not. A, a what was Krishna? that last?
0: Was the what? I said. <laughs> Oh, Maya is created by, created by Krishna. The example that Srila Prabhupada gives that's so, um, it helps us understand is that the government creates a prison system. right? The government yes. creates a prison system, but it's our choice whether we want to do activities where we end up in jail or not. <laughs> is that, does that work for you? You see, it's, it government creates the prison system, I actually, the mediation I did on Friday was a woman who's a, a teacher in the prison system. Uh, um, but anyway, that 's neither here nor there. Um, so the government creates the prison system, but it 's our choice whether we perform activities that would put us in jail or not. So Krishna creates the the um, the place where those who want to forget him and don't choose out of their free will to serve him can hang out but it's not just like it's not the government's desire i see see gorni tie it's not the government's desire that people go to prison although <laughs> we can argue about you know there's of course all kinds of arguments about how america has more people incarcerated Per capita than I think any country in the world but that's that's we 're not talking about that um, the government may not want people they'd like to have all honest citizens that would be fantastic right um, but the reality is there are people who rebel against the laws, so similarly we we 've been rebellious, so we uh, it, we're kind of like um, yeah another another interesting example it's a little different but we 're kind of like holding on to Maya and say, let me go, let me go. <laughs> At the same time that we're holding on very tightly. right? <laughs> so Maya is, a, uh, is also in other places, Maya is considered uh, a very, very uh, intimate servant of Krishna. Um, because uh, she, on one hand, that doesn't just allow anyone to serve Krishna. They have to actually want to really be free of the illusion, and also fulfills the desire, our desires, to, uh, to want to, to icha Dwesha samutena, That uh, we have this icha. It actually sounds like the word itch, and you could even kind of relate it that we have this itch to uh, want to be God, <laughs> and then we have this dvesh dvesh means envy. That who made him God? Who, does, who the hell does he think he is? And, and you know, that, that manifests in all kinds of ways, Not generally not in the gross way, you know, but, but just by trying to enjoy our life in, without any connection with the Supreme, it kind of manifests itself. Um, you don't usually have people just running around, not too many people saying, I hate God, and, you know, who, who does Jesus think he is anyway, you know? It's not. It's not the normal uh, activity. Is that is that all right? Is that, that the, the prison example help? Yes. Oh, wait. Wait for the microphone. Kovan, you're too it slow is. today.
1: And it's w- that 15-year-old <laughs> energy. What you should tell ourselves. I see a lot of people. Myself too. You do wrong things on law sometimes sings
0: against the law and you think a Christian will protect you because you are a devotee. Yeah. Well, we, 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 uh, yeah, we have, a, we often kind of think, at least I know I think that um, when I think of myself, I think of how merciful Christian is and when I think of others, I think, oh, that person's very bad. <laughs> that tends to be my, uh <laughs> yeah,
1: No, yeah. I give you an example. Whereas,
0: for example, somebody, doesn't drive with his seatbelt, right? right? And then he, well, you should drive with a seatbelt. And then he says, oh no, Krishna, you protect me. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we have to be careful of, of the, that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, one time, uh, Burijan Prabhu went to Srila Prabhupada, and, you know, very young, he was very young in Krishna consciousness at that time, and mm-hmm. kind of in an innocent and perhaps naive way he said, Śrīla Prabhupāda, we don't even want to go back to Gāda, we just want to stay here birth after birth to to serve you and Prabhupāda looked at him and said, don't make me come back to save you <laughs> so, because it was so, the way Pu says it, it was so kind of naive and superficial that it was, you know, because there is this deep consciousness, Chaitanya Mahāprabhu prays, mama jamani jamani Ishwari, bhavatād bhakti or haitakī twayī that, I, that and in a very deep prayer he's saying, I don't even need liberation from this world, I'm so fixed as your servant do with me whatever you want, take me back to Gada don't take me back to Gada, send me to hell send me to, just whatever it is I just want to serve, that's a very elevated consciousness, and so Burjan Prabhu saying that in, in, in a uh, superficial way probably kind of cut through that superficiality and <laughs> don't make me come back to save you so, um It's interesting. Uh, Srila Prabhupada was a great teacher. And teachers uh, know how to apply teaching in a way of time, place, and circumstance in order to help the student advance. So sometimes he would say things like, yes, Krishna is so merciful. You take one step to him, he takes a thousand steps towards you. So many quotes like that. And at other times he would say things like, if you're attached to one ladu, one sweet in this material world, you have to take birth again. Both are there, but in one circumstance, you know, yes, be strict, be serious, Another circumstance, remember how merciful Krishna is. You know, and both are, both are there. Um, they're not contradictory. They're, um, but the, uh, the expert teacher knows when to, just like for ourselves, if we're trying to help someone in Krishna consciousness, Sometimes we, we we pat them on the back and sometimes we say, Prabhu. Right? Uh we're not attached to the patting on the back or the chastisement. We're just attached to helping that person. So whatever will help that person we 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 will use. Krishna's service. So but yes, we have to we should be a little uh weary uh of um that I'm a devotee, I can do anything, and Krishna is merciful. But that's, it could come towards the seventh offense against the Holy Name, which is to commit sinful activities on the strength of chanting, which is considered one of the worst offenses, because, not because of the activity as much as the mentality. The mentality that I can do anything, and then I just use the Holy Name like a, like a you know, doormat, when you, before you walk in the house, you wipe your feet. Right? So I'll just wipe my feet with the Holy Name, and Ram, Ram, I can do whatever I want. you know So that, um, that kind of it's, it's the mentality, the cheating mentality. It's different than a person who may really struggle sometimes to follow some of the rules and regulations in Krishna consciousness, but is really trying, which is sometimes falls short. That's different than the person who just says, "Eh, it's okay, I'll pick up my beads. you know and that'll take care of what I did last night. Right. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So we have a f- couple more minutes. My wife is in a board meeting, so we can go later if we want. <laughs> um, she's giving the Monday, Mother's Day talk today, which is appropriate, right? The human soul says, I take shelter of the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who appears in his various eternal forms. Remember, this is the devotee. Not every soul does this. And walks on the surface of the world. I take shelter of him only, because he can give me relief from all fear. And from him I have received this condition of life, which is just befitting my impious activities. I, the pure soul, appearing now bound by my activities am lying in the womb of my mother by the arrangement of maya. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him who is, who is also here with me, but who is unaffected and changeless. He is unlimited, but is perceived... This is just right. At what you were saying. But is perceived by the repentant heart. To him, I offer my respectful obeisances. So I... Actually, the purport also talks about this point about a repentant heart. So I think we'll start there next week because it's a really important point. But... Um, I'll just, I'll just add this much that Srila Prabhupada writes in another place that for a pious person, uh, repentance immediately enters their consciousness when they do something wrong. That's on one end. And then another end, and we, I think we probably mentioned this before, we have to be a little careful about that repentance. If you remember when I mentioned the word prayas chitta about 15 minutes ago, our prayas chitta, our reaction, the way we should react to doing something wrong is to again engage in devotional service so I've also seen that if you think about the second chapter of the Gita Krishna says that what you meditate on you, you do that so you know by contemplating the object senses one becomes attached etc. so if we meditate too much on the bad thing we did then there's a tendency to do it again because <laughs> we're meditating on it so it seems like a you know a good dose of repentance, feeling bad that we did something wrong, is good. And then okay, at a certain point, okay, now I'm going to engage in Krishna's service. Not that I'm going to mope around for days and weeks. Oh, you know, because that's just self-pity, and we're focusing on the bad activity rather than focusing on Krishna. So we'll talk more about that next week. Um, there is a class. next week is uh, what day is that? The 20th, okay so there is a class next week and then the week after that um, is Memorial Day weekend and devotees are scattered all over the place I'm going to be in Toronto uh, so we won't have class that week and then the next week it looks like we will I was planning on not to because I have to be in Alachua but I'm going to catch a late flight Friday, a Saturday night from Alachua, well from Gainesville and then be back for Sunday's class. So we're just going to miss one class. Not Next week, Paka class. Week after that, Memorial Day. Everyone's off doing stuff. And then next week, class <coughs> class again. Okay? So thank you very much. Hare Krishna. to Srila Prabhupada.